Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Today is the last day of 2020. Wow, people, what a year we have been through. I hope everybody is safe and well, and we look forward to a new year. Um, We will get through this. It's, It's kind of funny to say Happy New Year, but it is going to be a Happy New Year, and I'm wishing everybody health and safety and a deep breath and we've lost a lot and we will persevere so with that my guest today is somebody that i am just a huge fan of his name is robert Balot. now if you haven't heard the name he's been out there doing a whole lot of stuff He is an attorney that took on and battled DuPont for a chemical known as PFOA. Once again, corporate greed, poisoned water, people harmed. He has recently had a film made about his work that inspired the film Dark Waters, starring Mark Ruffalo and Anne Hathaway, directed by Todd Haynes. If you haven't seen it, I hope that you get to watch what this attorney endured, what this community did, but this community stood up. They used their voice and they made a great change. Robert Balot has written a fabulous book called Exposure, feature film Dark Waters, has recently done a piece in The Guardian that is a great authority on a chemical, PFOA and PFOS, and fought against it for 20 years, which is now the largest emerging contaminant, not only in America's water supply, but throughout the globe. Without further ado, I please welcome Robert Balot to Superman's Not Coming, but we are here. And for those of you who might not know Rob, but I think you do know Rob, he's quite the guy. So if you've seen recently the film Dark Waters, starring Mark Ruffalo, is a story of Rob and his work out in Parkersburg, West Virginia, with a community that had 7,100 tons of a very toxic chemical, PFOA, perfluorooctanoic acids, and what it did to the environment and to the people of this town. If you haven't seen Dark Waters, you need to see Dark Waters. It's a great movie. It's a true story. And Rob has also written a fabulous book, Exposed. Now, Rob intrigues me greatly. 
because at one point he kind of worked for the other side, what we like to say. And here he came as an attorney and stood for the people. So that's just kind of a little quick overview about Rob Blott, who took DuPont on for 20 years. So Rob has what I call stick to that we talk about a lot on this podcast, and that is great determination and stanima, born of an obligation and stubbornness. I, I think stick to really applies to you, Rob, and I am super happy to have you here today, and I am so excited to talk to you. So thank you and welcome. Thank you so much. It's really my pleasure to be able to talk to you today. I really appreciate the opportunity. Talk about PFAS in this <laughs> worldwide environmental contamination threat that I know you've been working on as well and really appreciate all your efforts in that regard. Well, you are in such a unique perspective to to educate us and and give us a background. It's so hard, as you know, to take 20 years of work and put it into a film for two hours. I've experienced that. It's just as difficult to have a conversation with you and put so much information together in a short period of time. So if I just kind of even back us up to where you were and how you came upon this, and it begs me to ask you, what were you thinking? Yeah. yeah, well, you know, I uh, started into this whole story about 22 years ago now. It was in 1998, and I had been working at uh, the law firm where I'm still actually working. It's now 30 years that I've been at the same law firm, the Taft Law Firm in Cincinnati. Yeah, I started there in 1990, right out of law school. Really no scientific or uh, technical training of any kind, but I joined their environmental group. And a lot of what we were doing at the time was working with big chemical companies um, and corporate clients, helping them figure out all the different environmental laws, the different statutes, regulations. And I was learning that myself. And I thought I really understood that world. Um, by 1998, after having done this for about eight years, I thought I understood, you know, we've got this world of um, regulations and statutes that are there to try to protect us from all of the bad, nasty things in our environment. And these things are on lists of hazardous substances, toxic substances, Clean Air Act pollutants, drink Clean Water Act pollutants. As long as we were doing what we needed to do to, to make sure we weren't emitting those things into the environment, that the clients were making sure they got the right permits to emit that stuff into the air and into the water or to get landfills, um, that's, that's the world I thought I understood. And that all changed in 1998 when I got a call in my office and this gentleman on the other end of the line started going on about cows dying on his property. And, you know, I needed to help him. <laughs> and I had no idea why he was calling me. I don't know how he got my number. And I was about to hang up on him when he said, well, I got your name from your grandmother. Oh. So I took a bit of a step back and listened a little closer to figure out how did he get my name and what does my grandmother have to do with this? And it turned out he was raising cattle on a farm outside of Parkersburg, West Virginia. 
That was a town I knew really well. Um, my mom's family, her entire family had grown up in that area. I spent a lot of time there as a kid, uh, going there for holidays, um, birthdays. So I knew that town well. I kind of saw it as almost kind of like my hometown. Since my dad was right. in the Air Force, we moved around a lot. But that was the one place we always went back to. So that became and really personal for you. It did. And I knew that town well. And apparently he'd been talking to a neighbor of his who had just been on the phone with my grandmother, who was bragging about her grandson being an environmental lawyer in Cincinnati. And surely he could help him. What he was dealing with, his cows were dropping dead. They were drinking this white foaming water in a creek running through his property. And he could see these animals wasting away. Their teeth were turning black. They were developing tumors. The cows were being born, stillborn calves. Um, And it wasn't just the cows. It was the fish. It was the birds. It was the turkeys. It was the deer. So he was convinced there's something in this white foaming water hurting these cows. But Nobody in the town would talk to him. He couldn't get the local state officials to talk to him or give him any answers. The federal EPA wasn't giving him any answers. Nobody in town wanted to take on this because the landfill that was generating this white foam was owned by the DuPont company. And it just so happened they had the, one of the largest plants in town. Thousands of people in that in that town either worked for the plant or they had family members who worked there. So when this farmer was going around saying he thought his cows were being killed by something coming out of a DuPont landfill, nobody really wanted to talk to him. The local lawyers didn't want to help him out. So he'd been reaching out trying to find somebody. And so when he got this, uh, his neighbor telling him about this environmental lawyer in Cincinnati, that's how he gave me a call. And that changed everything. You know, when I started to talk to him and listen to what he was saying, you know, first I was a little skeptical, just to put it mildly, but I invited him up. I said, you know what, take whatever you've got, bring it on up, come on up to Cincinnati. We'll sit down and we'll, we'll take a look at what you've got. And, and he and his wife drove up. Uh, This is October of 1998, armed with videotapes, photographs, um, and that really changed that changed my entire career and my entire life, frankly, that meeting. Oh, I would think it would. And talk about seeing is believing. And it's a game changer. Even when I went out to Hinkley, you know, everyone was saying, you know, that two-headed frog in green water is normal. I'm like, yeah, bullshit. And I mean, it's a different perspective when you get on the ground. And so I'm, I'm a foot soldier and it isn't until you get out there that you really see these things. So you, you, you interest me and I want everyone to know. So, um, I haven't met Rob before. I've watched your story through the film and your book and just admired you at afar. I mean, taking on DuPont and, you know, here was us with PG&E and I wasn't necessarily on the law side, but I was really on the people side. You, you came in with the law and really meshed with those people at a very personal level. And this is the first time that I've really gotten to, to know you. And I, I can clearly see that part of you that maybe most of us don't get to is a real human trait. You know, sometimes we, I love to tease lawyers, Rob, (laughs) so they can get put into a position where they're this or that, but it's refreshing 
to talk to you and hear and see that there was this personal human side. And, and you mentioned not even really knowing about the science so often. And I, I, I hope as we move through this conversation, we get into the science because I believe citizen science is here where these people who have actually been exposed, they know a lot, but yet we don't want to listen to them. Um, and we dismiss it because we're not, a scientist or a doctor, and therefore maybe we wouldn't know. So I want everyone to know that's listening, the humanness that I see in you. Um, and oftentimes people think it's an attorney and we get like, oh, it's an attorney or we don't want to appear stupid or anything. And I, I just want you to know, and I want to say it, uh, that's really admirable. I really appreciate that. You know, you know after, after I sat down with Mr. Tennant and his wife, you know, it really hit me just listening to them, watching them explain what was going on. You know, this was not like your typical corporate issue, you know, where somebody might have a, a legal issue and the lawyers you're talking to. This is not their actual issue. You know, at the end of the day, they go home. They forget about that. They move mm -hmm. on to whatever their next issue is. I mean, these people were living and breathing this problem. These an These animals were not just livestock to them. I mean, these were family members. I mean, this was their entire life. They were living and breathing this every day. And when I finally got a chance to go out to the farm, and you see this depicted in the movie as well, um, you know, when I finally got out there to actually see what was happening and see the impact it was having on these people every day, you know, to, to watch their animals dying right before them and to feel totally helpless as if they were not able to do anything when they were convinced there's something in that water. Why is nobody listening to me? Why is nobody taking me seriously? You know, um, I'm not just a dumb old farmer, um, you know, that right. doesn't understand this. You know, the thing I think that was the most powerful um, uh, was Mr. Tennant, who was the farmer's name, had been out there videotaping all of this, documenting it himself to preserve all of that, what he was seeing. And he even cut into these animals. And some of that videotape you see in the movie, Dark Waters, yes. and you see it in the documentary, The Devil We Know, the actual yes. videotape that he took. And that's that's powerful because you you hear his voice in the background and you can hear how upsetting this is to him. Um, so it really impressed upon me, you know, that these are um, incredibly serious issues to these people who are living it day in, day out. And they desperately wanted somebody to listen and to take them seriously and to actually, you know, uh, dig into this and not just accept at face value, you know, what we were hearing from the government agencies, from the, mm -hmm. the state agencies, you know, that everything's fine and there's, there's nothing violating the law, you know, and, and he was right. Mr. Tennant turned out to be absolutely right in the end. You know, we ended up discovering that there was a chemical out there, PFOA, as you, as you mentioned already, that was completely unregulated. It was not being controlled by the state or the federal agencies. And uh, we, it, it took the efforts of that individual, his family and that entire community, you know, actually uh, taking this on, taking this issue on and demanding answers that helped reveal what became really a huge, massive corporate cover up of a massive oh, yeah. public health problem that just now 
the rest of the world is beginning to, to understand and to, under, to really appreciate the scope and severity of it. And it all stems back to that one individual being willing to stand up, speak out, and, and take action and say, I'm not going to accept you know, what I'm seeing or what I'm hearing. Um, and something different needs to be done and we need to dig into it. And, and um, you know, it took many, many years uh, to, to actually uncover what was uncovered. But throughout that time, sort of in the back of my mind, you know, or the back of my, I could keep hearing in the back, Mr. Tennant, you know, saying, if people can just see what we're seeing here, if people just look at this information, look at the facts, they'll get it. They'll understand what the problem is. And that's what really I've been trying to do for the last couple of decades is find ways to get those facts out to people in ways that really people can understand why this is a problem and why it's one that affects not just Mr. Tennant, not just his family, not just his community, but all of us and why it's something that we all should be paying attention to. And, you know, it's not easy to get that story out in a way that people really understand the significance of it. And it was so incredibly fortunate to be able to have folks like with participant media to do that movie, yeah, they're terrific. you yeah, know, or in the documentary to, to find ways to get the story told so that people understand why this is a, why this is a problem. And, and most importantly, how individuals and communities can, can take these issues on and by, by, by taking those on and speaking out can really affect unbelievable change mm-hmm. yeah, and actually change the laws, change, change the science and actually make a huge difference. So hopefully um, yeah, that's helped inspire people as well. Oh, I think it has. And, you know, you're right. You know, my work in Hinkley began with one woman, Roberta Walker, who wasn't about to let it go. You know, why are you wanting us to move? Why is why water green? You, they tell you stories that you wouldn't believe until you see it. And this is where I think sometimes we miss stuff because we can't see it. Therefore, it isn't real or tangible. And we think it might not be going on. But literally, the cows out there were covered with 400 tumors. I, I was born and raised in Kansas, and I've never seen anything like that before. Dogs literally with these tumors doing really bizarre behavior, like literally throwing themselves into trees. I mean, you wouldn't believe it had you not seen it. And so you're sharing a, a pattern that does go on twofold once when you see it, you believe it. But to your point, and that's why I did Superman's Not Coming, is that these one individuals, they do rise up. And then when the collective gets involved, the difference they can make. And I think we're in an amazing moment um, because of your work and Dark Waters, the film. And I'm sorry, I forgot to mention Morgan Spurlock's The Devil We Know. I was in that. I think I got cut. Thank you very much. But <laughs> so, um, but this one chemical and i know you want as much as i do was known about decades ago our agencies were told you better keep an eye on this how this got through the system where the epa failed and has now become one chemical that was known about the largest emerging contaminant in our water supply today 
with the science now in that it causes diseases and cancer, how did we get here? And how do you see us getting out of this mess with the chemical that is difficult to get out of the environment? The horse has left the barn, if you will. The damage is done. And you uncovered a, the tip of something that is affecting every aspect of our lives, especially environmentally, not only here in the U.S., but at a global level. So let's start with uh, all the work you've gone through as you went through all those documents. What do you think has gone wrong with inside our agencies and where did our system fail? Yeah, that's it's that is the the main reason I worked on the book exposure is to show how did this happen and to try to explain to people that what the situation we find ourselves in, you know, with this contaminant, which is now what we know to be just one of thousands of related chemicals in the same chemical family that are out there. How does something like this that is known for decades to have all kinds of toxic effects, known to present threats to human health and the environment, nevertheless, continue to be made, continue to be emitted into our environment, into our air, into our water, into our soil, into us, into our blood. And we don't see any action being taken by the regulatory agencies or the, or the legislative field. How does that happen? And one of the things I try to really explore is the interplay between the science, the law, the, leg, the regulatory process, and the legislative process, how all of those things kind of the synergistic effect mm-hmm. of all these systems result in this problem that we're dealing with right now. For example, you know, here you've got something where you've got people that are controlling the science and controlling the information about the toxicity of the chemicals that are manipulating how much information comes out, when it comes out, to who gets to see that information. Then you've got this incredibly archaic legal system, frankly, that puts the burden on people who are exposed to these chemicals to be the ones to have to prove whether they're causing them harm or not. And in our legal system, not only do they have that burden, the burden's almost impossible to meet because what they're told when they run, when they come into court is you have to show that that chemical caused you harm. And in fact, the amount of proof and evidence you need you have to have massive human health studies of tens of thousands of people to be big enough to actually find those effects. Otherwise, we're going to throw you out of court or you're not going to be, be, even be able to make it through the legal system. So you've got this, this, uh, this legal system that puts these almost impossible burdens that require the, the exposed people to actually have the science to do these things, yet the people controlling the science uh, aren't providing that data or aren't making that information available. Then you've got this regulatory system, you know, that is set up that has, unfortunately, um, with chemicals in particular, chemicals that go out into our environment or into our water, really focused only on new stuff that's been made since approximately 1976, 
you know, that the first <laughs> yeah. federal laws really regulating chemicals going out into our environment and into our drinking water, the Toxic Substances Control Act, 1976. And it really focused only on new chemicals made from that point forward. So stuff like PFOA, which had been invented after World War II and was already being emitted in, for decades before that law came out, our laws basically allowed the people that were making those things to, they were the ones who were given the uh, responsibility of telling the EPA whether they think it caused any harm or presents any risk to human health or the environment. So once again, the companies making or producing those chemicals, they were given the, the responsibility of deciding whether they tell the agency there's a problem or not. And this, this uh, problem with PFOA is a perfect example of how that didn't work when oh, you've yeah. got companies that did know about it but chose not to tell. So for decades, those chemicals continued to be emitted. The agencies weren't even looking at any of that information because they weren't told about an, an existing chemical that was causing a problem. And the, the what, what happened, it was up to the exposed people. They were forced to have to go to court to get clean water. The regulatory agencies didn't know about the chemical. There were no standards. There are still, to this day, no enforceable drinking water standards for this chemical in the United States at a federal level. You know, we're finally starting to move in that direction. But it was, put, it was left up to the individuals in the community to have to go to court to get clean water and to get, and, and to get any kind of relief for their exposure. And to this day, that's really the only way people have gotten their clean water or relief was mm -hmm. having to go into the court system. We are still watching this slow glacier of the regulatory process just starting to move on these chemicals. And it may be years before that, that is completed. So it, you know, as a lawyer, it's good to know, and I'm happy to, to, that we have this legal system that at least mm -hmm. gives people that, op that opportunity to get their clean water, you know, but they shouldn't have to go hire lawyers and go into court in order to get the basic right to the clean water and not have their blood contaminated and the blood of their babies and their grandchildren. Um, uh, so I, it's a complicated it is. answer as to how we got here, because it's not just that the regulators didn't regulate it. It was the fact that the science was controlled and manipulated and our legal system is the way it is and whose burden it is to prove certain things and the way the regulatory process evolves and the way the legislative process involves. All of that playing together led to this sort of perfect storm that allowed the biggest environmental contamination of, of the entire planet in human history. Correct. Will you explain that, by the way, perfectly? I've just been sitting here nodding my head. I have to, like, bite my tongue to make sure I don't interrupt I, because everything you said was explained extraordinarily well, and it wasn't just one thing. It was a lot of things. But what frustrates me, and I'm curious how you feel about this, especially coming from that legal perspective, we know that we have 
I think the EPA is doing things ass backwards, and there is very well-meaning people in that agency, and it's not meant in any disrespect to them. But we need to have information about these chemicals first before they go into the environment, not put them into the environment, and then use we the people basically as your guinea pigs. And I think it is such a sock in the people's gut because I gotta be honest with you sometimes I sit here and I think we've been fucking duped did we buy an illusion you know did we get comfortable complacent I think we're gonna bust out of it but this is like when we're talking about this you almost think or if somebody were listening to us they'd be going oh my god what a conspiracy theory that one is but no you just explain perfectly how it happened and where and how do we go from here, especially as, you know, we the people. And like I said, that I think we it's like we've been so duped. How did we get here in your legal opinion? And yes, I think that there's a moment where science now catches up with policies, if you will. And I think that those policies, the law can change that were written many years ago and how we change at the same time, the EPA, the legal system, policy, and science. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it, we've got to find ways to, to hold the folks responsible who put these chemicals out there, knowing that they're going to cause harm to the environment, knowing that they're going to present risks to humans and get in our blood. We've got to, to find a way to say, these folks need to be responsible for paying for whatever needs to be done to make sure we are kept safe. Most people in this country, you know, we're in the United States. We assume when we turn our tap on that somebody is out there making sure that there's something nasty is not getting into our water. And if it is that it's being controlled and regulated, right? Not happening. And PFOA and the situation of what happened with PFOA provides just a, a, a vivid example of how that system yes. doesn't work. And the you know it, it took 20 years to get information out to the public, to the regulators, to the scientific community about the risks that this one chemical PFOA posed to humans. Mm-hmm. And that were known for decades by the companies that were making it. Look how long it took to get that information out about just one of these chemicals. And while that was finally happening, while that information finally started to come out, what do we see happen? The companies that were making it just tweak the chemical a bit. Uh-huh. Take a couple of, you know, this stuff is called C8 because it has eight carbons attached to a fluorine. So while the information finally starts to make its way out to the public, the scientists, the regulators about the problems with PFOA or C8, and steps are finally starting to happen to try to regulate it or maybe even ban it, uh, you know, in this country and other countries. Decades later. Decades later, what we see happen is you, the companies just take a couple carbons off of it. Instead of C8, we now have C6 or C4. For example, instead of making PFOA, DuPont started making something called Gen X. Uh, and that chemical, the C6s and the C4s, they start going out into, into the market, into mm-hmm. the environment. See, uh, Gen X is already getting into the drinking water in Wilmington, North Carolina, right down from the plant where DuPont's made it. And what are we hearing now as these newer chemicals start showing up in the water? 
Well, all of that information, all of the science that was finally done on PFOA, all of the human health studies that took years to complete, tens of thousands of people had to come out from and participate to get these studies done to finally confirm the health effects from that one chemical PFOA. That all related to that chemical, PFOA. You don't have any evidence to prove that these new ones are causing you harm, you, the exposed people. Now, how are you going to do that? You, you now have the burden to prove these new ones are causing harm. It's like a whack-a-mole game. Mm, yes. So as we finally get to the point of, of knowing what the risks are from PFOA and finally starting to address it, it's tweaked. It's called something new. And we're told we have to start all over again. So what we see happening all across the world with, among the scientific community and regulators are people saying, this can't be the way we, we handle this. We can't be approaching these chemicals one at a time, taking 20, 30 years to get to a point where we can regulate one. And during that entire time, we're basically using, as you said, everybody is guinea pigs. Let's wait and see how many people get cancer. Let's wait and see how many people actually develop these diseases. We should act now on the entire group of chemicals not so that you know, if let's take what we know about PFOA and apply mm -hmm. that to all of these related perfluorinated chemicals and act now on all of them. Otherwise, we just repeat this pattern over and over again. Absolutely. You, you are so correct. And, you know, I watched Radium Girls the other yeah. night. So about American radium back in the 20s and right. radium was all the rage and in your water. And I was dumbfounded at the poisoning of those girls uh, when they were licking the paintbrush to put the radium in the dial, the dial painters. That was in 1927. And at the end of that movie, one of the people said, you know, it never ends. 1927, watching that poisoning and a company, no, we're talking 2020. What? We haven't learned shit. We haven't changed a thing. I'm sorry. I see. I, you know, I'm not always eloquent with my language, so people understand fuck or shit. So once in a while, I go there. But it's out of sheer frustration. And I really think we, the people, have to push back ourselves and with the support of the wonderful legal work that you've doing. And again, I'm so fascinated what's going on in your mind, because I'm thinking you might have gotten kicked around pretty good for 20 years by a big company. We see that in the film. You're reading those documents because they thought they would end you there. Uh, what was that like? Um, and what for you personally, really fighting for these people? You went through a long haul, my friend. Most people would have given up. Where did that stamina come from? What were, what was just happening in your mind as you're reading these documents and realizing the truth? Is that what kept you going? And, and, and let us know. I'm sure that 20 years was not an easy ride. It was not easy. And you see that in the film, in the book as well. You know, I try to explain that a little more, but um you know, what really kept me going, again, was the same kind of thing that, that Wilbur Tennant, you know, was telling me. If people can just see this, it's so clear that if, there's, if we can get these facts out, people will get it. The things will change. We can fix this. And that I, the more I read and the more of these documents I poured through, the clearer it became to me 
how bad this was, how big of a problem this was, and how massive of a health threat this was, and the efforts that were underway to frankly keep that information away from the rest of us. And it really weighed on me, you know, feeling like I had a responsibility, knowing that I might be one of the only people that that had seen this information outside of the companies. You know, the regulators weren't, weren't aware of this. The public certainly hadn't seen it. Scientists weren't looking at this. But needed to find a way to get that information out. And what kept, you know, there were setbacks along the way. And, and you know, they were fighting back. Um, you know, you saw in the, in the film, for example, you know, the attempts to go get a gag order to prevent me from, from revealing information to the EPA and to the public. But always in the back of my mind was, if I can find a better way, another way to get this information out to people, people will see this, people will understand it. It took a long time for us to get to the point we're at now, where there is actually discussion going on nationwide, finally, about these chemicals and the fact that something needs to be done about them. For many, many years, despite the fact litigation was going on, Nobody was paying any attention to this. Everybody assumed that's just some problem down in West Virginia. We're involving cows on a farm. It's, it's taken a long time for the scope and severity of this to really sink in. Um, and uh, throughout that process, you know, I just kept feeling as if the truth's going to come out. At some point, there's, there's going, people are going to see what I'm seeing here and are going to realize this is bad. We need to find a way to fix it. And, you know, one of the things I've done recently is as I see the fact that as we learned about PFOA, we learned it was just one of this big group of chemicals called PFAS, per and polyfluoroalkylated substances. PFOA is just one of hundreds, if not thousands, thousands. of these completely man-made yes. chemicals that all share this toxic carbon fluorine yep. bond. And now as we learn that there's so many of these other ones out there, and we're hearing this argument from the manufacturers, well, you don't have any evidence that those other ones are causing any harm. All we know about is PFOA, and you don't have anything to prove these others are causing harm. It, it just kept occurring to me, people shouldn't have to be doing what we did in West Virginia, spend 20 years through litigation, doing massive studies, having to get all of that done in order for actions to be taken. How do we cut through that? How do we, how do we get this done in a, in a comprehensive way that addresses the basic question, what are these chemicals doing to us that you've put into our water and into our blood? Because they, these chemicals, they don't just get in our water. They have this weird ability to stick in our blood and build up over time. And they sit there like a ticking time bomb is the analogy yep. I've used before. Right. You know, where they just build up and they circulate. They coat our organs. They circulate. We're, they're passed along into our, to our babies when they're born. So we need a way to, to understand exactly what they're doing to us. So I filed a new case um, a year or so ago, actually two years ago, where I'm seeking to bring a nationwide case on behalf of everyone who has this, this big group of PFAS chemicals in their blood. And that the goal is not to get money, but to get the science confirmed and to have the companies that put that stuff out there have to pay for independent Absolutely. scientists to tell us exactly what these are doing to us. If you're going to sit back and say, you can't prove it's causing harm, then you ought to be paying for the studies and the independent scientists to confirm what your chemicals are doing to us in our blood, in our children's blood. 
Um, and, you know, that's uh, that that litigation, as you can imagine, is being fought and we're, we're trying to move forward with that. But again, here we are having to revert back to court in order right. to get the basic side to do the right done. thing. Right. Right. No, I say hallelujah to what you're doing. And, you know, I had a conversation with a scientist and they're like, you need to be honest here, Aaron, because you don't have all the data to conclude that this is harming people. I said, you're right. I don't. But here's what you're not looking at. You don't have all the data either to conclude that it's not. So I am, like I said, hallelujah to what you're doing. And, you know, we need the law. Listen, uh, it can be a great form of justice. And that's what we, we look to the law for. And it's hard for the law to go up against these forces that block you, especially if you're going to cheat on the frickin' science. And so... This is something that could be cutting edge. You and I both have recently done Guardian pieces, articles. Mine was to Joe Biden on letting uh, McCabe, Michael McCabe, who did communications strategy for DuPont, anywhere near the EPA, if you ask me, big mistake. You've recently done one, too. You have a great platform here, and I want to have you back on again, and I hope you'll come, to really convey a message because you've been in such a unique place and, and I want to ask you, before I forget, my mind is racing talking to you. You and I share something really similar that doesn't happen very often. And my work just being, you know, the foul-mouthed girl in a short miniskirt running around telling you there's something wrong in Hinkley, California with chromium-6, which, by the way, was affecting the cows, the poor cows in this country. I can't tell you your case, how many places, one of the first effects we see is the cows, is the wildlife, is the ecosystem, the environment. And then you as the attorney took that on for 20 years. We've each had a a film made about the work that we've done. I never say or think it's about me. It's always about all of us. And I truly believe that. I can see that you do as well. But how did that feel for you to have a, a feature film? You know, it uh, was incredible to know that that story was finally getting out. You know, that, that Will, I, uh, I think Wilbur Tennant, who unfortunately he and his wife both passed away, you know, while I'm we sorry. were waiting for this, this information to come out. You know, I think they would have been incredibly proud to know that people were finally seeing what he wanted them to see. And we had finally found a way to do that for him in that community. And I think, you know, for people to understand really what, what that community, what their neighbors went through so that we're all better off, you know, 70,000 people in that community came forward, gave blood, had needles stuck in their arms, provided their medical information to do big enough studies to finally confirm what the companies were unwilling, you know, to do and confirm. Yet these, this chemical was, in fact, causing serious disease, including cancer. So it was incredibly moving for me to know that we found a way to finally get that story out and that it was hopefully going to inspire people uh, to do, you know, to have the courage that Mr. Tennant did, to have the courage that the people in that community did, you know, to, to find ways to, to work together in the community to take on what might seem like a huge insurmountable problem against a massive company. And it can be done, you know, as, as you saw with, with your situation, your film with Chromium six, you know, Mm -hmm. it can happen. These things, you know, 
these changes can occur. And, uh, you know, it, you, you can't sit back and assume somebody's going to do it for you. No, so you've got no, to you assume can't. we can do it. We, we can do it. And it Meaning takes everybody. Us, the people. Exactly. You can't sit back and assume somebody else is going to take care of this and handle it for you. Um, you know, it takes the courage to stand up and, and do it um, as an individual, as a community, as, as our society. So, um, you know, I was glad, to, I was just delighted to see that. And I was so happy with the way they did the film in showing the impact that this had on the real people in that community, on the tenant family, on on the people as they're waiting for this to be done over seven years um, and you know what it really took to get this done. And that it, it, it resulted in tremendous change. How is rest of the community doing today? What is their future looking like? Well, you know, since, um, since we were able to finally get these, um, get these links with disease confirmed. We've had thousands of people in that community that were able to come forward and, and actually get compensated for the injuries, you know, um, which is tremendous. Uh, it's yes. one of the few, few places in the country that we've been able to do that, be able to get them clean water so that this chemical isn't in their drinking water anymore. Um, and I think there's a, a sense of pride in the community that they were able to, to get this study done that's now being cited mm -hmm. all over the world as oh, yeah. kind of like the gold standard of what, what can be done when you have enough people that are willing to participate and, and willing to, 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 you know, to, to give their blood and to give their information to, to help all of us. To, you know, the, the community suffers so much. You know, many of the original plaintiffs in the Hinckley case that was there in Brockovich film have passed on. Have you seen many of the community members pass away? Unfortunately, yes. You know, not only Mr. Tennant and his wife, Sandra, but uh, a lot of the folks in that community. And you see that a little bit in the film as well, you know, particularly while we were waiting for these massive human health studies to be done. That, that took over seven years. You know, well, in the meantime, people are getting diagnosed with cancer. People are going through chemotherapy. People are getting sick. People are dying while we're waiting for this to happen. Uh, so that is incredibly difficult to watch. Um, it's, in, it's very difficult to live through, um, you know, um, particularly when, uh, you know, you're, you're wanting to make sure that the, the science that's done is, is done in a way that's going to be able to help everybody. Uh, but you're having to wait and you're having to watch this uh, happening in the community. You know, you can't look at it just as an abstract scientific problem. These are real people in a real community that's suffering as this continues and um, why we have to be so careful not to continue to let this happen with these other related chemicals. And oh, yes. And this is one of thousands that are in the environment. So and this that's is a right. biggie that's right. affected everyone. So you did, you know, you really hit the beehive here. Rob, uh, on this chemical. And I, you know, you know, sitting here talking to you today, I, it's um, very overwhelming. Um, and, you know, I oftentimes know that when we're at community meetings, it's very overwhelming just because it's bad news. It's a chemical. It's another poisoning. It's the water. What do we do? We're sick. We could die. Our children can die. We are dying. The sock in the gut. 
how moving forward can we send a message that is hopeful to people? Um, you know, for me, it's getting them engaged. I think you see that as well. To see it, it's it's this is this is happening. But it's so daunting. I always worry that that we're going to go, there's nothing we can do. So how do you see moving forward the changes with, A, the, first of all, let's start with chemicals and the science and protecting people. That's what this is about. To where the changes need to happen within the law, policies, and the EPA moving forward. I mean... If this is the way it's going to go out, why even have this agencies? So moving forward with hope, where do you see the change and how can you share with the people to get involved, to be a part of what needs to be a very, very large movement? You know, I think if anything, this this whole story with PFOA and the related PFOS chemicals should be, I'm I'm hoping, inspiring to people, and we should be very optimistic, frankly, um, about where we are now in the now that we know this story, um, because if anything, what it shows is the power, as we just discussed, of now that we know, you know, what we're being exposed, we have we can finally start to make choices. You know, mm-hmm. none of us had a choice up to now before we even knew we were being exposed to these things to try to avoid, you know, these chemicals. We didn't even know we were being exposed to them. We had no idea to even ask if our, if products we were buying contained them, if there were alternatives we could switch to, if there was a way we could do things differently to, to get these things out of our environment. But now that the story's coming out, we're seeing an incredibly uh, huge, uh, huge number of changes. Not only are we seeing, Things like um, uh, for when the movie was released, there was a, a campaign called Fight Forever Chemicals that was, that was re- announced where community groups and people that were realizing these chemicals were in their water, too, could get together, find resources online to figure out what could they do to help make sure that these exposures stopped in their community or that they were able to, to start demanding products switch away from use of these chemicals to new things. And I think over the last year or so, the changes that we're seeing because of people joining into those types of movements, having their voices heard has been incredible. We are seeing for the first time steps being taken to actually regulate and restrict these chemicals in drinking water all over the country, particularly at the state level. Yes, We are seeing states that are actually setting enforceable standards for the first time. We are seeing states that are saying certain products like firefighting foams or clothing can't contain these things anymore or food wrappers and packaging. And we're seeing um, legislation being proposed at the federal level to actually uh, add these chemicals as restricted uh, regulated pollutants and to to provide new mechanisms for people to, to stop these exposures. So I think if anything, people should be encouraged to know that standing up and talking about these things and demanding that changes happen can actually result in change. We're seeing it right now. And I think the administration coming in, I think we're, we're optim. I'm optimistically hopeful that we'll finally see some real significant changes and that it'll affect not just this chemical, but the whole way in which we approach uh, and contaminants getting into our environment. I agree with you. And it's thank you. It was like I said, I gave it. There's another hallelujah there. I mean, honestly, um, 
Because we are waking up, we are getting the information, you know, knowledge is power. Um, uh, the, the film, the work that we did, uh, the film, the work that you do, seeing these communities rise as well. And that's like uh, what I love to feature here on Superman's Not Coming is we the people, the, the heroes that out there every day, um, it, even up in uh, upstate New York, uh, Morgan Spurlock's film, um, The Devil We Know, talked about that. To see the children, the children, wearing their PFOA blood levels on a placard card around their neck, marching in Albany to get something changed. But that's where we need to go. And that is hopeful because when we act like that, when we support each other, when that knowledge becomes power, it's exhilarating. And we are going to have to send that message that things have to change moving forward. Rob, you know as well as I do, everything that we did in this country to become who we are today may have been well-intended and got us a really long way. But... It's not working the same. We have antiquated infrastructures, antiquated policies, antiquated laws. We have to make those changes to move forward into a better, viable, sustainable future. And I don't know why we've overlooked the importance of what matters to all of us. Is that environment? Is that clean water? And is our health So I'm hoping in your words that you are optimistic and so am I that we will get involved and we can make that movement and make that change. And it it wouldn't have come. I mean, the courage it took for you to step up. I know you're a lawyer. We always expect the lawyers have the courage, but, you know, lawyers, people, too. And they can get in there and they can win and they can lose. It took a lot of courage for you to withstand what you went through. And I am just touched to see today that you are human and you were touched. And and I think that's what it takes. And I, and I hope that your message continues to bring that to the law and how you can make a difference within these regulatory bodies for all people. Uh, I I want everyone to know uh, the courage it took for you. I know you've been through a lot, the change that you made. What a thrill it's been for me to have you here today. I could talk to you forever, as I said in the beginning. And um, thank you for the work that you've done um, on behalf of not only the community in Parkersburg, West Virginia, but across this country and, and facing it at a national suit. And, you know, if there's any way we can continue to help spread your word, I hope you will always let us know. But I want you to know a couple of things. It's hard to take away because I have a feeling you don't see things as you. I always say I am you, you or me. We are all together, right? Right. But what a, what a great human you are with great courage. And I, I want you to acknowledge that. And I want you to know that I, and I'm sure many thank you for that. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, it's been really a great 
pleasure to be able to talk with you. And I really appreciate the opportunity to, to, to help continue this conversation. I mean, this is, this is the critical piece here is for all of us to keep talking about these things and keep insisting that things change and doing what we can, all of us individually, to make sure it happens. You know, not to sit back and expect other people to do it. Let's all work together and make sure these things change. We can do it. It's happening. And we just need to make sure it continues. Absolutely. We can't go away. I believe in that big old seal out there you see. By the people, for the people, we the people. And it's time we show up. Exactly. So before I go, I get to ask you one question. I'm actually finding this really fun because everybody always gets to ask me, what's it like to have Julie Roberts play in a movie? Okay. <laughs> Rob, what's it like to have Mark Ruffalo play you in a movie? That was totally surreal, to say the <laughs> least. Uh, yeah, the nicest guy I think I've ever met and just so genuine, so passionate about bringing this story out and doing it for the right reasons, you know, to help people see the power they have, you know, to make change. And um, it was, I couldn't have thought, I couldn't have picked anybody better. Um, he was incredible. Um, you know, would have uh, my kids keep joking with me, you know, the, uh, the day we came back and found out that Anne Hathaway was going to play my wife. And that's I, pretty cool. <laughs> right. But I, I told my three sons who, you know, were all teenagers at the time. And they said, dad, you know, you've got the Hulk playing you and Catwoman playing mom. This is, great. <laughs> this is a big deal. <laughs> so, yeah. It was one of the few times I've, uh, I think my kids were impressed. So that was, that was great. No, so, it really, he was fantastic. And everybody involved in that just did a tremendous job. Were you out on the set much and stuff? What yes, they, they, I was able to consult on it, and they actually filmed most of it here in Cincinnati in our offices. Um, so that was, that was a great experience. Well, uh, it, it was a great movie, Dark Waters. If you haven't seen it, I hope people see it. it it's been a, a terrific book, Exposure. If people haven't read it with Rob Ballot, by Rob Ballot, you need to read it. All the way down to, oh, my gosh, uh, Morgan Spurlock and the not inconvenient truth, um, the devil we know. And to your article in The Guardian, there's so much out there and we need to hear more from you. And I believe we're in a moment, as you do, in a great awakening. Whether we got comfortable or complacent or we bought an illusion, the time is here for us to change and move forward and to recognize We have antiquated infrastructures and policies and laws, but we, with more knowledge, the people can push for changes and reforms and a different way to do business, if you will, um, to make this planet more sustainable and better for every single one of us. Couldn't have said it better. I agree. It is so awesome to have you and you will come back, won't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it has been a real pleasure for me. And again, I thank you. Me too. Thank you so much. It was great to see you and and the person and the the emotion and the realness of of you. Rob Blot, one of America's finest attorneys, helping to save we the people. Thank you. Thank you so much. 